0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Greenman and Moulness show here on Newcastle Fans TV. It's the podcast that I think is just Newcastle nostalgia, isn't it, Sam? When you mentioned John Gibbo Gibson from the Evening Chronicle um, in Newcastle United. It's like fish and chips, isn't it?
1: Uh, th- I enjoyed this one so, so much. And it was like the easiest show to do because we barely had to do anything, Johnny. Um Gibbo is just an absolute legend. 55 years covering Newcastle United. Um, And the the way he talks and the stories and memories he has, um, I'm going to listen back to this one and I'm going to listen back to it outside by a campfire with a pint of something lovely. And it's just just an ideal scenario. It's just absolutely superb, this one is.
0: John has seen absolutely everything when it comes to Newcastle. He's actually seen us win a major European honour. And not the Intertoto Cup. Exactly, in 1969. He's seen, obviously, plenty of semi-final wins, finals, just haven't quite gotten over the line. Um, It's obviously fascinating to hear John. And he talks about a lot of different issues in regards to Newcastle current day stuff stuff back in the day but the passion and to be so proud to be where he's from and cover Newcastle United Sam, it just, it overfills him really isn't it with emotion and joy just to talk about Newcastle, hopefully one day it'll be even better than it is
1: Yeah Do you know what I don't even think we we need to like go in depth about this one because it's just so good and just Gibbo's just brilliant, you just don't he needs no introduction. He's just oh he's just absolutely ledge. <laughs> a big fancy. Sorry, Sorry. <laughs> I know I know this is a podcast introduction, but he doesn't need oh he's just so bloody great.
2: <laughs>
1: he's <laughs> like he's like he's like again, it's like like pull up a chair, sit down and listen. Like 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 a granddad character, isn't he? He's just no yeah. he just just that guy has lived the dream
0: for over half a century it's ridiculous it, it really has and it, it, like Sam says literally make yourself a cup of tea a couple of biscuits and then you just sit down and enjoy and listen to this fantastic podcast and um, a big thanks to our sponsor beer52.com forward slash nftv the Euros are still here England are still in the Euros and make sure you get your beer52 cans you can get 10 cans not 8 10 cans of any beer depending I mean, on what you
1: listen to this might be eight, depends when you listen. If you're listening before June, get ten. If uh, if you're after June, unlucky. Make but but you know
0: eight great beers. Exactly, and remember, it's coming home. Beer fifty two beers are coming home. And um, Sam, I, I asked him what his favourite, you know, moment after all the moments that he's covered Newcastle United is with. And um, I didn't know which one he was going to pick, but not to spoil it for the to the listeners he talks about so many memories and it was just actually trying to remember. Oh, I remember that moment. Oh, I remember this moment. Um, he's been a very lucky, lucky man to experience all those different memories.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it was a, it was a tricky last question you asked him considering the, uh, the, the amount of time he's been doing it. I mean, I would struggle to answer that particular question. And I've only been following Newcastle for 25 years, I've 55. So, um, yeah, it, it it's really good. We we barely have to ask him anything. And we talk about Steve Bruce and everything from it's not just nostalgia, it's current day stuff as well. So and he's 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 very opinionated, his Gibbo. So
0: yeah, sit back and enjoy. Exactly. I don't think we need to say much more. So sit back and enjoy, as Sam says. It is the Green and Mourna Show with John Gibson. Hello everyone, welcome back. To the Greenwood and Milner show here on Newcastle Fans TV today, we're joined by a man who has seen it all in regards to Newcastle United. He has seen the highs, the lows, and the very special moments covering Newcastle on Tyneside. It is a warm welcome to John Gibson. Most people know him as Gibbo. So, good evening
2: to you, Gibbo. Lovely to see you, boys. Nice to be here.
0: Sam, this is a man that we've been wanting, we've been chasing for a little while. Um, a man yeah. who's synonymous with Newcastle United's... I don't think there's anything that John doesn't know about the club. So Sam, it's it's a real coup for us, isn't it?
1: It is. I mean, what what Gibbo don't know about Newcastle United isn't worth knowing. And I mean, fifty five years in the game, John. Where where do you still get the the drive and the kind of the motivation to keep doing it all? Because surely you can just retire, play a bit of golf, and do a bit of gardening now.
2: I could, but I don't wish to What it was all about If I may tell you an interesting story I am, Obviously I've been a fan from uh, Cradle and it'll go to grave As all of us are But I, I came back in 66 I left Newcastle and went down to work In Fleet Street in London With no particular intention of coming back To Newcastle at all um, And then out of the blue I got a call from the Chronicle That said, would you like to come back home And follow Newcastle United Well the minute that part of the sentence is there You can't resist can you And cover Newcastle United Good God yes I'll come back home But I tried to be cheeky and nonchalant And said well yeah I'll come back home If you let me cover the World Cups And the Olympic Games as well And I was a comeback anyway But incredibly they said yes you can So back I came And it was 1966 And um, So the first job I did it was the summer in between seasons. The first job I did was to cover the nineteen sixty-six World Cup, starting with the um, oh. the Northeast, the Northeast area, where we had North Korea um doing amazing things, and then going to the international scene. So the very first tournament I cover for the Chronicle when I come back, England, we win the World Cup 66. 1969 We win the European Fairs Cup, Newcastle Now I think this is terrific What a life this is going (laughs) to be Every three years England or Newcastle United are going to win something Like we'll win the FA Cup And the League Cup And England will win the Euros or, Or they'll win the World Cup And I'm going to have this incredibly wonderful career Basking with champagne and cigars Let me tell you That since 1966 England have won not a thing. Since 1969, Newcastle United have won not a thing. So I said to myself, I'm determined that I won't retire until I see Newcastle United win a meaningful trophy. I don't mean the championship, because we shouldn't be in there. A meaningful trophy. So you're all invited to my hundredth birthday party. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, being being serious, I love, I love, Newcastle United. I love what I do. Uh, somebody said, "Why don't you retire, Gibble?" Like you, you can play golf and you can do this and you can do that. If I retired, I would have to buy a season ticket at Newcastle United because that's my passion. That would cost me hundreds upon hundreds of quid I'd be stuck up in the roof I've got a lovely seat in the press box at the moment And the Chronicle are daft enough to pay me to sit in that seat So what do (laughs) I want to retire for? I don't want to retire at all I want to just keep going until the mind goes goggle. And when it does, I won't know That I'm not covering Newcastle United anymore (laughs) So no, I'm... I'm loving it, I'm enjoying it I used to have fun, you you showed that photograph there Of me with the, the team, that was the 76 team That played in the League Cup final I used to have fun when I went out with the boys in those days They all used to say to me, hey Gibbo, you know I bet you wish you were a player like us you know, With all the fame and 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 the girls and everything else And I said, well actually no I don't And they said, well don't be silly, of course you do I said actually I know, I don't I said, because you know why? At 35, you'll be finished, and I'll still be going at 75. Because as long as the brain's there, you can. So I said, I'll settle for what I've got, and uh, I'm quite happy with what I've got. But uh, I would just love, love, love to see Newcastle win something again, because um, it was such a good start for me with England and with Newcastle United. And even if England win the Euros, It'll not be the same, I'll be well chucked But it'll not be the same as Newcastle United Win something, that's the passion And the love And um, you know I think, I think we're all the same haven't we? We've all got a slogan tattooed on my forehead That says keep the faith And the glass is always Half full rather than half empty So I'm still optimistic That somewhere along the line We're going to lose Ashley And lose all the shackles that we've got on us And we're going to actually win something Wouldn't that be lovely?
0: It would be absolutely fantastic, John.
2: You're one of the only few people that I
0: know that have seen Newcastle United win something. Can you just tell us what that whole experience was like in that that Intercity Fairs Cup? Because, John, I I don't know if I'll be ever be fortunate to see Newcastle win a meaningful trophy. I'm exactly like you. The championship is not a proper trophy if you're a Newcastle United fan. FA Cup, League Cup, the dizzy heights of a Premier League, that would be fantastic. But tell me just about the two legs in particular, and in particular Moncur's role in the whole of those two legs. Absolutely. I mean,
2: what worries me is that when we weren't taking the FA Cup and the League Cup seriously, you know, in recent years, what really bugged me was that almost guaranteed a generation, a Geordie generation of fans never seeing Newcastle United win anything. Because we're not going to win the Premier League anytime soon. Uh, maybe he's with a takeover. You never know. Maybe he's with a takeover. <laughs> but at the moment, we're not going to win that. So once we don't have a goal in the FA Cup and League Cup, what are we going to win? And, Billy, um, I mean, I've been to, I started off as a kid way, way back when I was a little lad in short trousers and whatever. I went, uh, this is the early 50s. I went to my Auntie Grace's house in the West End of Newcastle She had a black and white television that was the size of a postage stamp and that was she was the only person in the family with a television that was stuck in the middle of the room, and all the chairs were arranged in front of it, and we all sat on the chairs and watched Newcastle win the FA Cup in nineteen fifty one, and nineteen fifty two, and nineteen fifty five, and I thought this is fabulous. Of course, as you well know, we haven't won a domestic trophy since that. Can you believe that for a club like Newcastle United? Then, when I become a young reporter, we won the European Fair's Cup in sixty nine. And, you know, that was unbelievable because the the team spirit was magnificent. That is the reason we won it, because the team spirit was so good. But we also won it because of naivety. We weren't afraid of any side we played because we, we just went out there and said, hey, this is new to us. It's new to the fans in Europe for the first time in the club's history. Let's just enjoy it. And we went out and enjoyed it and woke up one day And were playing Glasgow Rangers in the the semi-final of the Cup And we thought, hey, we might just win this But looking back, one of the great reasons is that In my long time of reporting on Newcastle And as you said, 55 unbroken years We've had three great managers Three great managers, Joe Harvey, Kevin Keegan and Sir Bobby Robson And Javi was the the forerunner of this And it can be argued That he is the best Newcastle United manager anyway If you want to base it purely on trophies Because uh, he won trophies as Skipper The FA Cup in 51-52 And he won the European First Cup And the other two Who were absolutely fabulous Keegan Hobson Actually won nothing Which is quite staggering When you look back That they won nothing Mm -hmm. With all the charisma And the ability They had on their side But um, it was really The the 69 side Was a a team of no stars Really Um, But I mean When I say it was Off the cuff And we I mean Can you believe it Bob Moncure Bless him My great pal Bob Moncur, he had a nosebleed if he went over the halfway line. Normally, he scored a hat trick over the two leg final. Scored a hat trick over the two leg final. I mean, that was absolutely unbelievable. And the two guys that had scored all the goals to get us within shouting distance of the first cup, which was Wynne Davies and Pop Robson. They never scored in the semi-final or the final. So the four games we played right at the end for glory, the two semi-finals and two finals, where strikers didn't score at all, and Bob Moncour gets, uh, gets a hat-trick in the final. Absolutely unbelievable. The riot, you may remember from the record book, boys, you're far too young to, to have seen this, was <laughs> it was in the, when we played Glasgow Rangers in the second leg of the first cup, and by the way, when we went up there, it was amazing because all the all of the, the, the Scottish press were wonderful to us. Jordy's come up sitting in the press box, have a wee they're passing whiskeys down while you're really watching the game. They were the Willie McFall saved a penalty to keep us in it. We come down here. The minute we go to two up, the dram start stopped coming and they turned on us so viciously because all of a sudden it dawned like the fans. That went on the field, of course, the Rangers fans that went on the field. And afterwards, I was talking to our boys, and I, I'm having a bit of fun, you know. And I said, those jocks, they're mad as they a as you know. They're Jordies with their brains knocked out. And uh, <laughs> these the, the Scottish lads are trying to defend. I said, "Bye, hey, Scott and Jackie Sinclair, they got the goals. It was you two jocks that started the riot. Jocks sparked off the jocks Who came on the pitch and went berserk But I mean, the wonderful thing That guys perhaps that weren't Around at that time, young fans Today won't realise Is how good Ush Bezdoza were that we played in the final I mean, when you think Of football these days, hungry You think they're nothing They're, they're not a footballing country Either internationally Or club sides, they're not at the races At that time They were the best side in Europe. Bobby Charlton said the best side in Europe. Shankly said Newcastle have got no chance. Don Revy, who was manager of Leeds United, who had won the championship, the First Division championship, were beaten home and away in a previous round by Ujpest. Our champions, Leeds, were beaten Home and away by Uspest We beat Uspest home and away uh, In the final So everyone was saying we had no chance And <laughs> the funny thing is Having won 3-0 at Newcastle uh, Half time out in Budapest I thought we had no chance Because we were 2-0 down Willie McFarland played them on his own I'm sitting <laughs> next to Len Shaq And I, I turned round to Len Shaq And said, hey, Shaq we're dead here. What's gonna happen here? We can't we can't not go back without the cup and being 3 0 up in front of all the mad journeys at Newcastle. But it looked as if it was going to be that way. And then Moncler as I say, the guy that was really had a, a bit of string tied round his waist and tied to the two his own two goalposts posts, so he didn't go outside his own penalty area, is suddenly brilliantly brilliant volume home. This This one, and we went on to win 3-2 on the night, 6-2 on aggregate Wonderful, wonderful Memories, I've had Lots of memories since, but a lot of them Are are nearly, aren't they You know, we went to the cup final 74, went to the cup final 98, went to the cup final 99 Um, I mean, when you take The entertainers, lads The entertainers that we had At the beginning of the 90s Wonderful time for me because I'd been part of the Magpie group That John Hall set up to try to take over Newcastle And I'd worked for two years on that behind the scenes We did all the stories in the papers uh, about what was happening I mean, a member of the board at the start phoned me up and said By the way, John Gibson, I would just like to tell you when this, When we crush this rebellion from these Rebel fans uh, you will never be allowed in St. James's Park again in your lifetime. And I said, Well, excuse me, when we win, it'll be you boys that won't be in St. James's Park anymore, not us. Uh, and of course, the Magpie group did win. But the amazing thing was when we were on the verge of completing the takeover and getting rid of the current board, I suddenly woke up one day and thought, My God. What if this doesn't work? You know, you've done this for the fans. What if we take over the club and look crap? You know, what if we take over the club and the results are like they are with Mike Ashley in the last 14 years? You know, they're going to say, well, that was worthwhile. You know, it suddenly dawns on you that it's got to be a success. In the audacious way that the Magpie group went about taking over Newcastle, Continued once the way in I mean were appoint Kevin Keegan As a manager He'd retired as a player After playing for Newcastle Went off to live in the sun in, in Spain Played golf all day long Never watched football Because he was living on the golf course Had no contacts as a manager Had never managed his pub team Never mind a first division side And we appointed him as manager and he brought in the succession of most wonderful players The good thing was Keegan was like Harvey He had a wonderful eye for talent In lots of ways they were like each other Because neither of them could coach They got coaches to coach for them They couldn't coach a team But they had wonderful man management, both of them And they had a wonderful eye for talent And in those days the manager bought the players now you you know you've got other people that are involved in the buying of players in those days managed it. Keegan bought a succession a wonderful player and was backed financially all the way up to a world record fee for and The club went in that short time from being one game away from the third division when we played at Leicester and had a win but so we didn't go down into third to being successive seasons, runners-up in the Premier League. And um, it was a fabulous time. In the whole country loved Newcastle United. Every neutral fan loved Newcastle United. And every fan of other clubs, their second club, was us. Why? Because we entertained. You had Ginola, you had Les Ferdinand, you had Alan Shearer. For goodness sake, we get Andy Cole in, he scores 41 goals, we throw him out and get... Ferdinand and Sheila. I mean how confident is that You know these days if we had Andy Cole We'd wrap him up in, in cotton wool And treasure him And put him on top of Gray's Monument From Monday <laughs> to Friday he happy, Wouldn't we these days But then that's the way it was And that was a precious time And so was Bobby Bobby Robson was yeah. a wonderful wonderful time He'd come in with us near the bottom of the league uh, I knew Bobby well I'd worked a lot with him I'd gone out to Porto When he was manager of Porto And lived with him for four days out there Just to see, you know, a Geordie abroad And how he did everything And uh, when he got the job he, he he asked us to go and see him And he said, "Gibbo, I've got a My first job, I've got to win over Alan Shearer Because at that stage Alan Shearer played under Wood Hullard And out on his neck uh, wasn't enjoying his football, didn't look a player anymore. He said, We well, were going to Chelsea on this Saturday's first game. He said, I'm going to spend the night in his hotel room talking down, uh, getting him on side, getting him uh, interested in Newcastle again, getting him up on top. And he changed the game. Alan was playing with his back to goal and he got him standing sideways on. So he was half turned when the ball come he's in on goal. Spent the whole night with him at, at uh, Chelsea. We lost 1 0, I think. But we'll come back home for Bobby's first game at home, played Chef Wedding, scored eight goals, and Sheila scored five. So whatever Bobby did was right, wasn't it? It worked. And um, I mean, he took us to a third top finish in about, if you remember, there was an extra uh, group stage in the Champions yeah. League at that time. Uh, and we had such a run in the Champions League I mean, I don't know, we almost had about 12 to 14 games that season And by the way, you know, all this business of players need rest And why we've put out reserve sides in the FA Cup and the League Cup Players need rest Well, they never got a rest in Malcolm McDonald's day They never got a rest when we won the FA Cup three times in five years And Bobby Robson played 16 Champions League teams matches Never rest the players and still finish third top of the Premier League With all those Champions League games So all this business of these poor little lambs needing time off Because they're they're shattered mentally and physically I don't buy because great players love to play and are successful Um, And the Bobby time So there's been great times since we won the first cup uh, you know, Keegan's entertainers were wonderful, Bobby's time was wonderful. It's just that it was an awful long time ago because we've had Mike Ashley raining on our parade for 14 years, and we're pretty well soaking to the skin by right now. <laughs>
1: Aren't we just, I mean, with that Bobby um, record there after the Champions League games, I'm sure, I mean, I could be wrong, I'll get slated in the comments if I am wrong, but I'm sure we never lost a game after a, Cham- a Premier League game after we went away for the Champions oh. League.
2: I mean, it I'm was just phenomenal. Sure it was, we were absolutely terrific. And you talk to players, you talk to Beardsley now, you talk to Supermac from the old days, you talk to Big Al, Success breeds success If you're going out and winning You can't wait for the next game And if it happens to be tomorrow Instead of in four days time That's fine And the adrenaline keeps you going And everything keeps you going Of course the secret is You've got to have good players If you've got good players That's the sort of reaction you can get If you've got a lot of average players And a couple of good ones Then it becomes tough As we've found out In last season When if you get an injury to a couple of key people You're down on the bones Of your backside And um, it is very different But um, they were good days They're not so far gone To not be able to remember How good they were And believe that With a change of direction Which will only come With a change of ownership Because a change of manager isn't going to do it We've, We've had lots of managers during the ashley years and we've had little pockets of of, of good guys like benitez and chris Hutton. but in the main we've had joke in the air, steve mclaren et al which is absolutely frightening i mean us three could do a better job yeah. with a right <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: than those <than laughs> boys managed
2: to do without the shadow of a doubt but uh you know you've got to keep the faith and believe that um we're going to come again. It's just the weight in the meantime that gets like, I'm only 27 years old, you know, but it's just, I've got like this. I've <laughs> <stuff to laughs> wait so long.
0: Still look <laughs> better than Johnny. <laughs> and, uh, I know. I, I thought you looked younger than me, John. i have to give you that. Uh, you talk about Malcolm McDonald. Just a bend, mate. Just a bend.
2: <laughs>
0: you were talking about Malcolm McDonald, Gibbo, and he's described as one of the best writers to have ever come across. He's also, yes. says you find the balance between what a fan wants to hear what you need to actually write on a piece of paper. So when you're actually doing like opinion pieces for the Chronicle, for example, how difficult is it to separate the fan and what actually has to be written?
2: It's very difficult because whatever happens, if you're reporting on Newcastle United, when I was in Fleet Street and I was looking at the London teams or I was looking at England, you can be quite dispassionate because you're doing it professionally, you see what you see. But you see Newcastle United through rose-tinted glasses or through your heart rather than your head. And the worry is, and you've got to strike a balance, that you're not too nice because you love the club and then you're not too vicious where you don't deserve to be because you're angry at a result. But the difficulty, I think, first of all, the, the line I always take with myself, Is to be true to myself when I'm writing Because I'm a fan So when I watch Newcastle I think What do I think Not just professionally But as a fan And tell the truth Because believe you me Our readers Our people listening to a podcast Know what this game's all about If you try to smaltz them Or con them You're dead If you look at some of the Steve Bruce quotes in the last year That is done for him big time Because fans just won't have it You've got to be honest And I'm paid to be honest The reason people will read me if they read me at all Is because they want my honest opinion They may not agree with it But they want to know that I won't just say the politically correct Lines so that I can keep in with the owner or keep in with the manager, etc. etc. I mean, him on the screen there, that uh, ugly one on the left, talking to the very handsome one <laughs> on the right. Um, <laughs> had had on the odd occasion to take the the of it all, but uh, it was the very odd occasion because he was quite exceptional. He was quite amazing, amazing striker. Um, And we've had, you know, when you look through the years, we've had some wonderful players. When you just take the number nines and think of War Jackie onwards with Super Mac and Alan Shearer. And, you know, when you look at Peter Beardsley, for me, Peter Beardsley is the best player that's ever pulled on a Newcastle United shirt in terms of God-given ability. He can create goals... He's a maker and a taker He was capable of doing both in equal measure It's very difficult to talk about the best player Because how do you uh, judge a goalkeeper against an outside left? How do you judge Gascoigne or Tony Green Or any top midfielder against a number nine Who scores 30-odd goals in a season? It's difficult but it's got to be said, in my opinion, when Beardsley, we've had some wonderful, wonderful players, but Beardsley was quite, quite, quite exceptional. Um, and you look at the team we've got now, we've got nobody of that sort of quality. Uh, Sam Maximum uh, will entertain. uh has got potential. He's still a young man. Please keep him. For goodness sake, please oh, keep yeah. him. Because he is getting fed up. With Having to play in the sort of team that he's having to play in With the sort of tactics that he's had to play with Until towards the end of the season When Graham Jones changed things quite significantly Uh, I mean we've got to keep him We've got to keep Callum Wilson Because he scores goals and that's such a, a rarity And we've got to keep the goalkeeper Because he's a shot stopper and by Jove Without a defence Need a shot uh, and, and he is that So that is that is good But we've got to add people to it We can't Why are we so happy We I mean being the hierarchy It's in James' Park Not the fans Why are we so happy just to survive Why are we not slightly more ambitious Than just surviving In the Premier League um, and here we go Are we going to keep Joe Willock uh, Or have we said today as he went over the bridge uh, The time goes <laughs> The amazing thing is The little guy, only 21 Was only here for half a season He scored eight goals We can't get players Outside of Cameron Wilson to score eight goals In a full season And this guy isn't a striker, he's a midfielder He's a midfielder with eight goals. Now, if he's disappeared, as I think he probably has, for good, what, how are we going to replace those goals next season? We're, we're certainly not going to replace them with another midfielder that gets eight. Uh, certainly not anybody that's on the books at the moment. And we haven't got another striker that'll get eight, have we? I mean, even when we talk about our better players, and we look at Sam Maximum, we look at Alan Mirren for his relentless pace. I'm taking Callum Wilson out of the thing. They don't get eight goals in a whole season. Willick got eight goals in half a season and seven of them in seven matches. Now we should be breaking the bank to make certain sure he comes back. I think the only hope we've got is that he comes back on another loan near the end of the season. I can't see. Mike Ashley, who's trying to sell the club, spend thirty million or more on one player to bring him to Newcastle, when the benefit could well be reaped by the new owners, you know, two or three months into the season. Um, But by Jove, we need Willock because, you know, you look back at January and we do very little in the transfer market in January, but this January. Changed the whole complexion for me of Newcastle United because we got Willock, who scored eight goals, seven and seven, and we got Graeme Jones, who changed us tactically. I I know that was nothing to do with the transfer window. It just happened that he came in January. Uh, But those two acquisitions changed everything for the season for us. Until then, we were staying up only because the three teams at the bottom were so bad. I mean, all three went down and not one of them got 30 points. They wow. all went down with, with less than 30 points, which is a atrocious. Yet, without spoiling your supper when you finish with this, boys, can we say <laughs> that those three teams at the bottom, we weren't able to do the double over them because we went to West Brom and got a no and, no And West Brom were horrendous that day. Fulham come up here with 10 men and got a 1-1. And Sheffield United At Sheffield United Beat us 1-0 We never beat The bottom Five three the back. Frightening yeah. isn't it? Because they were so bad But But If we could get Willard back somehow We could get The second striker And Jones Keeps his influence Major And doesn't get Squeezed out of it By The manager Uh, Then we've got some sort of hope Um, Because if we don't make use of this transfer window I think we're in big trouble And by making use of it, I mean more than we did, guys, a year ago Because if you take Callum Wilson out of the equation Which was a wonderful signing You've got Ryan Fraser Who scores more goals for us. For scotland than he does in the premier league for newcastle united and that's easy but he has gone not for newcastle united so he's bound to score more for for, for scotland <laughs> but you take him out i mean yes you, you see lord looking on shergo on northumberland street more than you see ryan fraser don't you? <laughs> it's, just, it's just not there and then you look at, at, at lewis the left back that we bought a year ago and you look at hendry well, this great run-in we had where we won five out of eight or five out of nine, and it got a couple of draws as well, three of the four signings we made, Lewis, Hendrick and Fraser, weren't in the side. So, you know, mm-hmm. even if we do business this summer, it's got to be better business than we did a year ago, callum milson apart.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right in what you say as well, Gibbo, that a lot of it is dependent on the ownership. Um, sure. what, sort of, what sort of similarities do you see between current-day Mike Ashley and um, pre-Sir John Hall? What, um, what similarities? Because a, a lot of well, me included, I was in the entertainers era, that's when I started, so I'm completely oblivious to pre-Sir
2: John Hall. Yeah, well, I mean, that was a wonderful, wonderful period, the entertainers. I know it went all um, obscure very quickly because Kevin Keegan took to his toes which he was always capable of doing, bless him, and was always threatening to do both as a player and as a manager. But when he took to his toes and as well, I think John Hall went out of the boardroom, he was still the major shareholder, but he, he retired and he handed over the keys To Freddie Shepherd and Douglas Hall And it become a different club Under those circumstances Um, But You know, the entertainers Were so wonderful What Ashley is, is a throwback To what Newcastle had in the boardroom uh, Prior to that When we had these Dictators, they weren't money Men, these guys The shares were handed down From father to son And so the same families Stayed in the boardroom all the time They didn't have any money When Lord Westwood Was asked to guarantee 16 grand At the bank at Newcastle Newcastle United's bank um, And that wasn't Actually paying it It was guaranteeing it If the club went On its back and and, and was going to the wall When he was asked to guarantee 16 million pounds And 16,000 pounds Sixteen thousand And he was not only chairman of Newcastle But he was uh, chairman of the Football League as well He immediately resigned Rather than, than uh, risk that money um, But there were dictators we, we had a lot of dictators Which is why fans got disgruntled And set up the Magpie Group To try to take over the club It was different then Because all the shares were in the hands of hundreds of shareholders, you know you you might have five shares, you might have a hundred shares apart from the guy that's got fifty thousand shares, so you could go around picking off and that's what we did over two years, picking off guys and and buying the shares it overinflated prices so that we could move the board out. You can't do that now because one man's got a hundred percent the shares, and that's actually, so he's got to be able to sell to get him out. Um, But the bottom line Is still the same Newcastle are as unadventurous um, Now as they were then The best time really Was when the club was being run By Stan The best time prior to uh, Keegan and the entertainers Was when Stan Seymour That senior, the, the old player Who by the way played in the last Newcastle side to win the championship, and that was 1927, so we'll be doing the hundredth year anniversary. Absolutely, <laughs> never won it since. Um, but when he ran the club, uh and he, he had been a rebel, had been bombed out. He when he left playing, he'd said things about Newcastle. He had a column at the Chronicle, and he'd said things in the Chronicle about Newcastle and he was banned from the ground and he was out, but the when the club bought him. They went cap in hand to him because they knew he knew football and asked, would you come back into the boardroom? Would you run the club? And he did. And he built the 50s side that won the FA Cup three times in five years. He built that himself. He was manager, effectively, of it, and chairman, so hugely powerful, but he knew what he was doing. And um, really, that was a wonderful time. And then we only had the entertainers and... Uh, Bobby, who, who was was grateful. I just wish that ha, if Keegan had won when we were 12 months clear with Manchester United, if Keegan had won that, the whole history of Newcastle would have changed. If we had got Bobby Robson to follow Kevin Keegan, uh, yeah. which John Hall was trying to do, but Freddie Shepherd and Douglas were at the same time trying to get Leash. And unfortunately we got that leash And didn't get Bobby Robson Which was like watching paint dry um, But if we could have had Bobby To follow Kevin Then we could have continued And been established now As a, a great, great club Instead of a club that is great But only because of its supporters And is hugely achieved For so long I mean, you know we were playing in the same division a couple of years back as Bournemouth And we had 52,000 Geordies in St James's Park And they had 11,000 people in Bournemouth And they were finishing above us in the league I mean, can you believe that? The only thing that's happened at recent times To put a smile on my face Has been Sunderland <laughs> 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 and I was terrified at on one stage last season, lads. I was terrified in case we went yeah. down and they went up. Yeah. Um yeah. luckily neither of those things happened so there is a God in heaven. And <laughs> <laughs> um, you
0: talk about the desperate need for new ownership, John. And Sam's touched on about it a little bit there, but how confident are you? that Newcastle can get a takeover this summer. There's been a lot of rumours for at least, well, 12, 18 months. It seems a a lot longer than that,
2: John. Is this the last summer that we have with Mike Ashley? I pray to God it is, because it needs to be. Um, The big concern I've got, yes, I think in a year's time, I think we will... In a year's time When we're at this time next year In the close season We will, if it hasn't already happened Be in a takeover situation I, I'm pretty Confident of that What I'm not confident of Is that it will happen in time To set us up for the coming season Because if we Waste this summer If we waste this summer In the transfer market by getting only three transfer players Or on loan players And one gesture with it for a few million We wasted And we've got the same owner Mike Ashley And the same manager Steve Bruce At the start of the new season We are in for exactly what we've just had A year of biting our fingernails Desperately hoping to survive Never looking before Beyond the halfway line in the league table And just the man in the middle there Is the man that might make a significant difference As first team coach Not I think as a manager But as a first team coach Because he wants to counter attack Whereas the other two guys want to not lose That's a big difference We have got to think beyond not losing not when we play Man City or Man United or Liverpool necessarily But when we play the other sides I mean look at the way we went to Sheffield United Look at the way we went to West Brom We can't play those sort of games With this timid tactics That we've played with in the last season Until we changed it First at Everton When when we went to the split strikers etc That worked a treat but we're never going to work when we lost the two strikers up front, which was San Maximum and um, Callum Mullison. We lost them both together with injuries. The guys that were put in there, whether it was Gail, whether it was Carroll, whether it was Almiron couldn't play the system the way they, those two went. So the system collapsed when we lost those two. We got another system totally for the run in of the last nine games where we had Willock coming from midfield late. To finish in the box um, And we had a diamond system In midfield and that worked But it it wasn't That we were attack minded We were still not going to have the ball as often As the opposition etc But when we turned over the ball And got it ourselves You give it to some maximum Or Al Maren or Wilson when he's in, They run the one way They run towards their goal Not going sideways which is the way we passed when we're timid. They run direct from A to B, and so you've got a chance on the counter, and it worked a treat. But can we do it for a full season? We are going to have to perhaps bite the bullet for one more season because of the even if the takeover happens, say. In October or November We've set the pattern Because we've got our squad together In the summer So it will be difficult to change it So my If I was honestly Assessing what we face As Jordy fans I think we face another season Of keeping our head above water But hopefully It's the last season Of Mike Ashley And of course the whole thing on the in the dugout will change as well when my gashley changes i mean did you ever think guys that we would all be on the side of Mike Ashley as we are now because he's trying desperately to sell the club and we are hoping he'll be successful. So we are backing Mike Ashley and saying, good old Mike, go on and get the job done with Premier League. <laughs> I never thought I would see that there, but it's the only way we can get rid of him. And if and he's good at that. He's good at, at sticking tanks on the, on the lawn. You know, and frightening people to death That's his business style So it might just work But he wants out desperately And I I think we're coming to the end of the road But can you imagine And this is heaven forbid But we're cynical lads Because we've seen it all for so long Can you imagine if in our last season Before we lose Ashley He actually took us down next year. Can you imagine that? I mean, that is the nightmare that we cannot... I don't think it'll happen, incidentally, but that is the nightmare you just cannot contemplate, can you? You know, you just cannot contemplate that that might happen. I don't
1: know. If if we're looking at the fixtures that have come out today, if we're down there come April, I think um, fingernails might have all but gone. But um, speaking about the By the the way, on the
2: fixtures... Sorry, lads, if I just, in passing on the fixtures, you know, I looked at them t- this morning when I got up and I thought, yeah, it's a nice start. But, you know, yes, Christmas is supposed to be the season of goodwill to all men. I know where well, you it go doesn't include <laughs> I mean, it definitely doesn't include Geordie's. From the middle of December, we've got Leicester away, Liverpool away, Man City home and Man United home. Then when we get to New Year's Day... Just for our fans who might well be back in the grounds, descend with the Southampton. Can you believe that? I mean, unless they start a team on the Isle of Wight, that's about as far <laughs> as you could stay this, isn't it? I mean, it is incredible. And that's a horrible run over Christmas, but say but hey, you've got to feel these people at some stage. And um we've got to try to get some points in the bag early with West Ham, Villa and Southampton. Um but let's wait and see what happens before then in the uh, in the transfer mark which is probably nothing, but let's wait and, see, and let's hope.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean that Southampton fixture is an absolute disgrace. Whoever I mean yeah, don't get me started on that. That's that's just, no, just, no. just, I, just I mean I couldn't
2: believe Southampton. I couldn't believe Southampton. The most they must actually think in the Premier League that Ashley's got a chance of being successful with this takeover. So that if their last two-finger gesture to all the <laughs> Jodies for kicking up over the takeover is we'll send you down to Southampton on New Year's Day, you know? <laughs> yeah,
1: spend your new year in a travel lodge, have that. But uh, yeah, on this, on this current squad that Steve Bruce has got his, at uh, his disposal, what do you make of some of the options away from, you know, Wilson and St. Maximum, because one thing that's interesting me in particular is this little, this little kind of soap opera with the long staffs. Have you ever seen such a thing about it? Because you make Matty sign a new contract and then you don't play him for a year.
2: What's going on there? Well, I mean, that is the most incredible, you know, you wonder Who is in charge of the contracts Is it Charlie with Ashley putting in his worth and say Stan Nixon And then the manager is separate Because At the end of the season before last We weren't playing Matty Longstaff At all And one of the reasons (laughs) Given privately by Steve Bruce Was well He's out of contract He's going to Udinese So if he's not part of us We're not going to play but then, all of a sudden, the season ends, and he's not going to Udinese. He's got to stump a new contract from Newcastle United. We then bushy then sticks him in a couple of games against the big clubs, if you remember, in the season just ended. Then he disappears. I mean, has he been shot, or is there a sighting of him anywhere? Is he still alive? I mean, it is absolutely nonsense. But we tend to do that At the moment This regime And I'm talking about The manager on one hand And the hierarchy on the other hand They dish out contracts And then the manager ignores The players that's got the contracts I mean they're supposed to offer A three year contract to Dwight Gale Why? He's never started by Steve Bruce Steve Bruce never starts Dwight Gale But we'll give him three years In his 30s I mean Andy Carroll, in the last twenty Premier League games of the season, he never started one, and he played nineteen minutes in those twenty games. Yet he's gone on holiday to uh, think about whether he should accept this one-year extension. Why has he got a one-year extension if the manager ain't going to play him? But we seem to do this. We've did it with Matty. We've, we've we're threatening to do with Gale, whether Carroll takes the offer or not, we've done it with Carroll. Uh, it's it and the manager seems to fall out with players and then we don't see them for three months, doesn't he? We they just they just disappear. I mean you know before the, the good run the season uh Matt Ritchie and Jacob Murphy we're never seen. They weren't in the. And then all of a sudden, and, and of course Richie has the famous uh, bust up with the manager, etc. And we think that's oh, that's good night. Never see him. Then all of a sudden, in desperation, they resurrected his two wing backs when they're really wingers. But these, that's okay, and it worked. And they were part of the saviour of Newcastle United. You know, we we yeah. we tend to forget about those two because the big names. We look at San Maximum, we look at the goalkeeper We look at whether Wilson's fit to play or not We look at Joe Willock with his goals But those two kids playing right and left wing-back Were exceptional But they were ignored before that And what's likely to happen to them this summer Oh, Murphy will get a contract Because everybody gets a contract They'll get a contract, but then they don't go in the side at all We don't play them at all I would love to sit down with Steve Bruce and, and say to Steve why do these people get contracts if you've no intention of ever playing them? Why not just get them out if you don't rate them? But uh, it makes you think there's two separate bodies, doesn't it? You know, Steve Bruce picks a team and somebody picks the contracts, and who stays?
1: Or that um, it screams so, that they're just not going to invest and they've just got to offer these players contracts just so we've got bodies.
2: Yeah, hey, yeah, absolutely right, Sam. That's exactly what it's about. It's about don't get these people out because we need to fill up the pegs. There's a couple of pegs over there. We then have them empty. So who can oh we'll give Andy Carroll one and we'll give Dwight Gale one. It's it's a matter of saying let us have bodies rather than looking at our squad and saying, Yes, we got out of it at the end, but don't be conned by twelfth position. Don't be con. By the fact that we had more points in the previous season Because we only had one more point Than the previous season Let's accept the squad isn't good enough Get out the deadbeats Cherish The ones that have got a chance And bring Genuine in But they're not going to bring Genuine in are they? I mean we haven't got any strikers Outside of Callum Wilson Who would be fit enough to Polish Supermax boots Or Big Al's boots But I mean, you know, when you think that we've got Gale, who's a championship player, uh, and Carroll and Muto oh, coming back was, <laughs> we want to forget about that. But it's a fact; he's coming back, uh, having taken his team down in Spain and scored one goal all season. But he's but he's back with us next season. Hurrah. We can look forward to that, can't we? And. Um, we we don't get them out and get some new strikers in we keep them in I mean what that tells us all doesn't it that there's not a lot going to happen this summer because we're hanging on to to people that we shouldn't hang on to John who realistically
0: would you like to see Newcastle get in this summer because there's always rumours about particular players I know you've mentioned Joe Willock and obviously I know all Newcastle fans would like to see Joe Willock in a Newcastle shirt next season but for you, who would you like to see come through the door?
2: Well, that's always an awkward one because you, you, you're pulled in two directions, aren't you? Because who you would like to see and who you know will get are totally two different barrel loads of guys. Like, I mean, that's the huge difference. I know what positions, I think, need changing. And if you're ruthless, there's, there's quite a lot. You certainly need a second striker. Because Wilson's the only man That plays up front that scores goals You need another striker Who can weigh in With around the 10 mark or You, you certainly need that You need a box-to-box Finisher um, From midfield Who is obviously Joe Willick If you can get him But even with him You need a good playmaker for me for midfield as well A guy that plays with his head up Can see it and can knock players in In the way Mason Mount knocked in The centre forward Chelsea To win the Champions League You know, One pass changed the whole The the whole game And we haven't got somebody Who does that Some people will say we've got Shelby For me he's a dinosaur He's he's yesterday's man He plays the way teams used to play And was very good at that He stands on the On the uh, on the toes of the two centre-halves And tries to ping 60-yard passes Well how often do they come off What you need is And also when we haven't got the ball Is is like Grey's Monument I've seen move quicker Um, he, he, People just Run round him and run past him He is not a modern he's Not only is he not Today's player, he's not tomorrow's player He is yesterday's player And that is another thing where you bite the bullet And you say Get Carroll out, get Muto out Get Shelby out If you want a good team And dare I say get Joe Linton out Who shouldn't have been bought in the first place For for £40 million I mean You know it is Dick Turpin had the decency to wear a mask When he robbed people You know I mean <laughs> it, is <absolutely laughs> ridiculous. it is Ridiculous Um it just hasn't enough ability and our standards you know guys have got so low uh, people in the press and other people is i'm thinking of did they, they start telling us why joe linton might be half decent or oh, he made three passes that actually reached where he was aiming for them to reach and he looked slightly aggressive when that ball was, was crossed. Yes, he did. He was, he was aggressively trying to get out the way. Um, <laughs> he, he is not going to score goals. He? he scored six goals in 69 games at Premier League. Uh, so his goal scoring record, you know, we try to sign strikers who score one and two or one and three. His record for Newcastle United is one in 11 and a half games. Now, and he's a club record buy, by the way. Anyway. He scores one goal every 11 and a half games. His goals in the Premier League have cost Newcastle six and a half million pounds each. Now, that he is he value for money, this boy, isn't he? And yet, for some <laughs> reason, for some reason, Steve Bruce plays him, starts him, or certainly brings him on when he doesn't start him, every game and makes Shelby skip it. Well, I mean, I'd rather pull my teeth out with a pair of pliers and a gun, like you know, it's it's ridiculous. It is, it is just it. For me, you know what you're going to get when you're going with that. I'm not trying to be harsh about these guys. I'm trying to actually tell the truth, as opposed to just you know, uh, flowering things up for the sake of it. Uh, you've got to have the courage to tell the truth, and if it's not liked, either by the player or by Steve Bruce, who used to be a very, very good friend of mine when he was at End Boys Club and playing for Manchester United, he wouldn't consider me a friend now because I've I've said too many things that I honestly believe as a manager that, that he doesn't match up and is not good enough. But you've got to tell it the way it is. It's not meant to be personal. It's meant to be truthful. And everybody makes mistakes. I mean, I went to, to stay with Bob Paisley when he was manager at Liverpool And they were win three European Cups and all the championships And I went to stay with him You know, the North East lad, it's a, what's the secret of Liverpool's success And he said, the secret of good management is not that you don't make a mistake Everybody makes a mistake But that you make the least mistakes He said, and the second thing is with good management You will always buy a bad player But recognise it Early and get him out the club Get him into reserves and get him out the club The fans then forget he was actually Here in the first place because he was here (laughs) For a short time He says So many managers try to justify Buying somebody by keeping Playing him and we've done this With Joe Linton for two years By keeping playing him and He will never come good Because you've watched him and you know He's not good enough and you're just keeping him in the memory of fans who've gone berserk seeing this guy, whoever the guy may be, uh, not playing well week after week after week. You know, the best thing that happened to Steve Bush in the last season was there being been no fans in the ground. Yes. Could you imagine? Had, had, there been, had there been fans in the ground, his ears would have been uh, slightly burning, I would have thought.
1: Oh, 100%, yeah. I mean, I made the point on the channel a number of times. I think he's the luckiest Newcastle United manager in history because he's oh. he's he's been guarded from so, so much. Um, but I'm just latching on to something you said there, John, um, has there been a time during – I'm guessing there must have been – has there been many times, I should say, over them 55 years or so where someone that you've written something about has kind of – Sounded you out and um, Kind of made an argument Against what you've uh, Made a beeline for you and disputed what you've written
2: Loads of times I mean if you haven't got Somebody like that gunning for you You're not doing your job properly Because (laughs) you ought to be Saying the truth And If the truth hurts And you know that the the player Or the manager is not going to like it But your job isn't This is professional It's not personal It's professional And you've got to tell it the way it is I remember when After uh, Supermark left and things Disintegrated After uh, Lee left Gordon Lee and Dickie Dennis And various things When we got Dickie Dennis out They brought Bill McGarry in To kill the player power Within Newcastle United Now and he was very successful at that. He was a very tough guy who could had a nasty edge to him, and he killed the player. But it's easy for you or I to knock down a garden wall, you know, if you take a big sledgehammer to it. But it's not so easy to build a new one. And he was able to to kill the dressing room situation, but not build a new side. And inevitably, we were in the second division. We were. Poor to watch We were going nowhere And going fast And I was up at St James's Park With the press Because we went up every morning To talk to the manager, etc And the word came through to him That he got the sack Now normally a manager in that situation Goes straight in the dressing room Clears out the drawer In his office Goes in the dressing room And says goodbye to the players For some reason Bill McGarry decided to hold an impromptu press conference uh, about getting the sack, so we all chundled into this room, and I'm standing in the back of the room, and Bill comes in the front, and when he comes in, he spots me because I'm everybody's sitting down, and I'm standing up at the back. He spots me and he points at me and face he said, "You, you have just got me the sack," and I said, "Bill, that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me." <laughs> if it was down to me i was thrilled a bit but, but of course it wasn't down to me it was down to him and the results he got but i a bill yeah. that's the nicest thing you've ever said <laughs> uh so yeah you're, you're always going to get uh people that are upset by you but if you're dealing with honest people um you can have lifelong friendships For all you might appear to be On the other side of the fence I mean, and I've been so privileged That way, I mean, Super Mac I was his best man When he married Carol um, uh, Bob Moncur, And that was From the 74 side Were godfather to, to My kids um, Peter Beards has been a, a friend for Yonks uh, Bobby Robson has been a, a great friend for a, a, an awful long time. You could, and at some stage you've had to say with them that they've had a bad game or something's happened because they're bound to at some stage. But um, the if you're truly honest and you care and you care with a passion, um, it's a wonderful game for making wonderful friends with your club, and that's one of the great. Things I like about the job I've done Is the friendships That I've made and are still Friends to this day And Alan Shearer has been A a, a terrific pal of mine Um, You know And they've been friends to this day Jackie Milburn when he died His wife asked him if I would uh, Speak in the pulpit at Ashington uh, At his funeral Jack Hickson the scout That discovered Shearer And discovered so many other players for so many other clubs three of us were asked by his family if we would talk when he had his funeral and colour coats at the church they asked three people to speak from the pulpit one was Alan Shearer who he discovered and in, in, in Jack Hickson was his, like, his second dad one was Laurie McMenemy who was the manager at Southampton when um Jack Hickson worked for Southampton, and that's the club Shiva went to, of course And the third was me Now to be asked to do that in that sort of company Alan Sheaver, Laurie and myself For Jack Hickson, who discovered That is one of the wonderful things So we mightn't have too many gongs But I've got a lot of good memories And it's funny, with FA Cup Finals all my good memories of the sent of the semi-finals, you know, 74, 98, 99 But <laughs> for won the semi-finals, I have no memories of the finals. But I love the semi-finals, and um, so there is always good memories. Beating Manchester United five, when when Philip Albert tripped Michael, no. beaten Barcelona Pierre, three two, when Tino Aspia scored a hat trick. There's always moments you can drag out the sack. Uh, and say, hey, what about that? Newcastle beating more recently, beating Sunderland 5 1 at St James's Park uh, with Chris Houghton, manager, when the manager in the other dugout was, uh, oh, Steve Boos. In the Sunderland. <laughs> now, that, was a lovely, that was a lovely memory. Uh, so there is some along the way that keeps you going. Just when you need a corpse reviver, along comes something that you can have your on.
0: Of course, and just finally, John. Um, last question You've talked about all these great memories whilst covering Newcastle. If you can only pick one to go back to and experience it again, what one moment are you picking?
2: What one moment above all others with Newcastle United? Yeah, but you've but you, well, you could go back and watch to, again it, to watch again,
0: yeah.
2: Whew. Well, because there's so many individual matches with the entertainers. That I would go back and watch again And there's a couple of matches I mentioned there Like Manchester United 5 Like Barcelona, etc But if I could only go back to one I would go Back to Budapest And see Newcastle Win A European trophy It's 130 years next year For our history They won one European trophy And I was there It's the last meaningful trophy they won And I was there We were 2-0 down at half time And we won the game And I was there I would go and live that again Because I've almost forgotten what success feels like And that wasn't success over 90 minutes That was success It still is in the annals of Newcastle United You know all those guys like me They're all old age pensioners now but they're all but a person. in the heart of every jury Even those too young to have seen them play Because they won a European trophy for Newcastle And they can walk with that And that's a wonderful thing to walk with And that, to me, is the very special moment in my career Until the next one Because as I told you, I ain't retiring till we win something <laughs> So, <yeah. laughs> I'll come on in my back chair and I'll talk to you again
0: Brilliant, <laughs> Gibbo!
2: It has been an absolute pleasure for the last hour
0: or so talking all things Newcastle Uniteds. Um, it honestly has been an, it really is a pleasure. We, we say this to everybody, but we gen- genuinely do mean it because your insight in regards to Newcastle Uniteds, it, it, oh, it's it's true, it's truly, truly remarkable. So it really it's,
2: is. It's been my pleasure to talk to you two lads, and let's hope we can do it again sometime during the season. Uh, and it, we're actually talking about. Uh, oh, we're going to Wembley next week in the League Cup final. Oh, uh, <laughs> now, wouldn't that be nice? Uh, there, might, there might be a pink pig flying past my window <laughs> <right now. laughs> And if it does, don't forget where I am.
0: Sam, take, care, Sa- take care. Sam, where can everybody watch this podcast? We'll listen to uh, it, it'll say.
2: be on all
1: podcast outlets, as always. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please do check out the previous episodes in the description and subscribe to the podcast. But, yeah, I, I, could, have, I could have been quite happy sat here all night talking to you, John, until midnight. I just would have needed a, a pint of something. And, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have been well away until the small hours. This is brilliant.
2: Cheers. I've got a gin here. Take care of yourself Keep the faith care.
0: Will do From myself, Jonathan Greenwood, Sam Milner yeah. And The Chronicles, John Gibbo Gibson We'll see you all very, very soon